I found some of the best security practitioners are the ones who have administered and managed the systems they then go on to secure since they know the systems best. Too often we run into security professionals who don't really have a solid understanding of what normal behavior looks like in their environments. And because of that, it's very difficult for them to spot what abnormal behavior looks like. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Skills Gap series, part of Mandiant's Defenders Advantage podcast, where we focus on thoughts, ideas, and initiatives on narrowing the skills gap in cybersecurity. I'm your host, Chris Campbell. I currently lead talent acquisition globally for Mandiant, and joining us for today's panel discussion to talk about talent and bridging the skills gap in cybersecurity are David Linquist. David's a senior manager of managed defense operations. He has 12 years of cyber experience supporting both government and private sectors. David also currently manages a team of expert security analysts that provide detection and response services for well over 450 managed defense customers. His team's mission is to identify evidence of impactful cyber events in client environments, perform forensic analysis, and provide actionable recommendations for remediation. Prior to joining Managed Defense SOC, David was a senior analyst and shift lead contracting at various federal agencies focused on compliance, auditing, and incident response. Welcome, David. Great to have you on the panel today. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Also joining us is Robert Parker. Robert is a Managed Defense Consultant at Mandiant. He has over 15 years of experience in IT. More recently, he's been focused on security and IT auditing, working both as an internal and external IT auditor for several organizations throughout that time. He also currently partners with our clients in responding to significant security events that the Mandiant Managed Defense SOC team identifies in their environments. Also, prior to joining Mandiant, Robert was a lead analyst where he was responsible for building a small SOC team for a local MSP. Really great to have you as well, uh, Robert. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me here today. So first question, uh, really, for both of you, you both have worked with several clients, both large and uh, small companies. Are there any common or specific gaps that you might have noticed from consulting with them? And Robert, I'll just start with you. That's a great question, Chris. And I'd say for me, it's something that even I was guilty of too myself first getting into security. While there is a shortage of qualified, robust security professionals, I think there's also a wave of newcomers coming into the security field, which they are now responsible in securing a bunch of systems, which they may not have a bunch of experience in actually administering. Now, while you don't need to be a subject matter expert within those areas, I've personally found it very difficult to secure or audit systems, which you do not have a good fundamental knowledge of their operations or really how they work. I found some of the best security practitioners are the ones who have administered and managed the systems they then go on to secure since they know the systems best. Really great points. And and David, just same question for you. Are there any common or specific gaps that maybe you have noticed in consulting with customers? Yeah. First, I think I'd have to agree with Robert. I think that too often we run into security professionals who don't really have a solid understanding of what normal behavior looks like in their environments. And because of that, it's very difficult for them to spot what abnormal behavior looks like. And we've seen attackers that have gotten very good at what they do, observed 
them move from successful phishing to ransomware deployment within a matter of hours. And if your security team is spending all of that time trying to just determine if there is a problem, by the time that triage is finished, it's going to be too late and the attackers are going to be moving around. I think that the key to a successful security operations team is really experience and repetition. Uh, You can either hire for experience, you can train for it, or you can subscribe to it. Uh, Security professionals, they really need to have a lot of hours under their belt in order to be effective and efficient. And a good security program is going to have a mixture of experienced talent as well as new talent that's going to be growing and learning from those most senior members. And the time to get that experience is not when your system's on fire. Makes total sense. And and you'd mentioned experience and repetition. Obviously, those are two key things, right? The more experience you have with folks and systems, networks, tools, whatever the case may be, you need that subject matter expertise as, as well as the repetition when it comes to security. Like so folks can be quicker to respond or quicker to act and, and really just have that knowledge as well, too. So so really, really great points. Moving on to the second question I have for you both is, what are some of the recommendations that you might have for individuals looking for maybe education or things that they might practice to enhance their marketability? And, and David, I'll just start with you on this one. I think that for people who are starting in their careers, degrees and certifications help. Uh, I think for degree programs, finding ones that are practically based and current malware. But what happens when the job that you apply for doesn't use that tool or, or attackers change their TTPs and all of that education didn't really prepare you for the evolving industry and evolving threat landscape. So my recommendation would be to find a program that's going to teach investigative mindsets, critical thinking, analysis techniques, and really save the specifics for employee onboarding and you know any of the new techniques from attackers from reading blogs blogs. Cybersecurity degrees also aren't required to get into this industry, though I think that they help. Some of the best security professionals I've worked with came from various backgrounds. Some were from film studies, education, biology even. So to be a good analyst, you just need to be good at critical thinking, finding clues and and adapting to a rapidly changing environment. Taking a a four-month course where you're looking at some malware samples a few times a week is great, but it shouldn't be the end-all be-all of of what you think you need to have in order to get into this field. And also, uh, I'd like to touch on professional certifications and boot camps. I think they're great, especially for people who are starting to break out into the security field. But definitely do your research and find a good provider. Look over the curriculums and weigh the cost of the course versus what you'll actually be getting out of it. For certifications, definitely try and find ones that have attached trainings. Uh, And I often find that the, the trainings are even more valuable than the cert themselves. And so if you can focus your time on the trainings and boot camps that teach those foundations and techniques rather than tools, I think that you will end up in a much stronger position to to break out into this field. That's a, that's some really great advice. Obviously, the, the, to, to your point, like the broader things that you can learn from some of these things that you're talking about, education, boot camps, or certifications, the better, right? Because you're trying to um, work on some of the things that you also mentioned, which is that critical thinking, the ability to, to really do deep analysis is a lot more important than maybe just say one tool. So really, really great advice. So thanks for that, David. And same question for you, Robert. Uh, Are there maybe some recommendations that you might have for folks that are trying to enhance themselves? 
I think David makes some very good points there. And I would like to say, I think hands-on experience and familiarity with the security tools and computer systems really is key. I have found too often that a lot of newcomers come into the security workforce and they may know the names of some of these tools or they may have played with Metasploit or Kali just a little bit, but they don't really have deep technical knowledge of how to use those tools and when those tools are best appropriately to be used in environments. With that being said, I'd also like to recommend for folks to get involved on things like Hack the Box, CTFs, you know, other exercises that really get you working with the tools, doing real analysis, and as well as working with others on a team to complete that cyber objective. And lastly, I also want candidates to show me that they are ambitious and that they are doing things to grow their interests and sharpen their skills. I like to ask my interviewees, can you tell me about a recent project, an initiative, or a side quest that you've taken to gain more XP and level up? And for me, this helps me to see what other things are they into other than just you know security as a job. I like to see when candidates have home labs, project sites, and other things that make them tick. I, yeah, th- th- those are those are good uh, good advice. That's good advice as well too. I I, uh, I see you mentioned hack the box. That's actually one of the things that our team on the recruiting side is looking at partnering with as well too. So there's recruiters that are part of that partnership as well. All right. Thanks for that, Robert. The next question for you both is, do you have examples of where you maybe have flexed some of your job requirements and hired someone that didn't have cyber skills? Yeah, I think uh, for me, probably one of the areas where I will flex uh, my job requirements is if I've identified somebody who is very coachable. My interviews tend to be very long, probably too long, but they, they work and I've been really disappointed with uh, the, the folks that I hire. Um, and part of the reason for the length of my interviews is because I really want to be able to ask the same questions of the candidates a few times to see how they answer them, particularly if they miss it the first go around. I can't expect every candidate's going to have every answer, but the best candidates take notes on what they couldn't answer, and then they follow up with their research on the topic after the interview's over. I'll always note when a candidate misses a question and then instruct the members of my panel to ask it again. And if they have an answer during that second stage of the interview, I know that this person is coachable. They're willing to do the research. They're willing to take the time to learn the things that they don't know. And so I've even had candidates email me their research following missing a question. And I've always been impressed by that. It's kind of like when I tell my kids when they're apologizing for something, don't don't tell me, show me. And I expect that out of my candidates as well. If you don't know something, don't just say you don't know, follow up with me afterwards and show me what you found. That's really great input as well, too. That seems to be a common theme with folks that I talk about is like, if you don't know the answer, don't try to act like you know the answer, right? So that's that's a good point as well, too. So Robert, the same, the same question for you as well, too. Is there you know, maybe an example of a time where you flexed your job requirements and hired someone without cyber skills? Yeah, I definitely agree with Dave on the coachability. That's a big one for me. Uh, but the other one I would say in, in my experience is it's easier to teach somebody the cyber skills and the technology components that they need to be efficient in this role than it can be to teach the soft skills needed. Soft skills such as good bedside manner or how to de-escalate and guide during a cyber crisis are areas that I personally tend to look for when considering somebody for, say, managed defense or an incident response consultant. I mean, as an example... You can have the strongest technical background and you can know SQL injection like the back of your hand. 
But if you can't keep your cool while walking through a, a stressful situation, helping navigate a client through a, a situation such as an incident response, then I'd say that's an area where I may prefer somebody with the upper hand on soft skills, such as crisis management, over someone with raw technical knowledge. Got it. And, and, and along those lines, have you ever you know, had any specific challenges when you flexed your requirements? You know, for me, I wouldn't say I've had any challenges in flexing these requirements. I, you know, although I know many positions are going to require things like a CISSP or a Security Plus, you know, in those cases, I think it would make sense to bring some of those those folks in as like an associate or a junior and help them to work through some of that developmental challenges or make sure that they get their technical chops up, up to speed. Makes sense. And same thing for you, uh, David, any specific challenges ever when flexing your requirements? I think the biggest challenge is, is that it's a gamble when you're picking somebody who may not have a background in this field. There's only so much that I can learn about a candidate from talking to them for a few minutes. And so if I'm going to flex my requirements on a candidate, uh, it's because I believe they possess some other attributes that will make them a good fit that aren't related to the, the specific job tasks. And then once I do, I need to hope that my assessment was right and that the candidate can get up to speed on the things that I need them to do on a daily basis and then have them bring those additional skill sets that I wanted for the team. So another question I have, as you both are involved in hiring and training new hires, what are some of the most successful traits that you have found in cyber applicants? And Robert, I'll start with you on this one. Hmm. You know, I'd say some of the traits that I like to see are true curiosity, thinking outside the box and hunger. I want to see the traits that show the desire to keep digging or wanting to know more. I would say that having great troubleshooting skills as well helps too. I think it's very useful to be able to help figure out why something may have broken exactly, you know, after applying a security control such as, you know, a hardening configuration. And one of my favorite questions I like to ask a candidate during an interview is, in a standard sized yellow school bus, how many golf balls can you fit inside of it? And if you don't know the answer, how would you go about finding out? Now, there may be a mathematically correct number, and I'm sure I, I don't know what that is. But when I ask this question, I want to see the, the thought process that candidates have on their answer. What clarifying questions do they have? What are some of the things they consider when determining their answer? Do they ask me about, is there seats in the bus? Can we fit golf balls inside underneath the hood? I want to see their thinking process. And do they really think more than just the initial you know, question that I asked them? Got it. And, and, and you use that word hunger. I, I, I tend to hear that often. Obviously, those that are hungry to, to learn and hungry for knowledge uh, seem to be uh, the types of candidates that a lot of folks are going after. Dave, same, same question for you. Any, any successful traits that you've found in cyber applicants? I think what I'm looking for most tend to be the things that I can't teach. Foundations are one of them. Uh, it would take me a very long time to get somebody up to speed on networking fundamentals, Windows basics, things like that. So during my screenings, I try to tend to ask some basic questions like, what happens when you type a website into a browser and hit enter? This question serves a couple of purposes for me. The first is to see if they do have that basic understanding of how the internet works, because without that, it'll be very difficult to, to do some sort of security analysis. The second is how well can they explain a technical question? Uh, a lot of the security work that we do is explaining highly technical analysis to a non-technical audience. 
Uh, and then the last purpose of that question is to identify potentially toxic egos. Uh, it's a relatively simple question, and somebody with some experience may scoff at it, and there's nothing more damaging to a team than a toxic employee. So I've seen some people answer questions in a professional interview setting that even insult the interviewer. This type of person doesn't have a place on my team, no matter how skilled they may be. And so finding somebody who is not only has the fundamentals down, but also is going to be a good team player is somebody that I'm after. You can also try and identify someone who has passion for the job, which can be difficult given the constraints of a short interview. Um, but one way I like to do this is by asking them, what's one of the coolest things that you've experienced in this industry? Someone who struggles with that question may not automatically be disqualified, but I need some more convincing that they have the right drive to do security work. But on the other hand, someone who gets really excited by this question and can talk my ear off about a web shell alert that they spent a week investigating, they get points from me. Well, really, really great points. And, and uh, for those of you that are out there uh, interviewing or preparing for an interview, those are some, some really good examples of questions that might come your way to, to, to show your analytical skills. So really great insights from both, both of you today. And I really appreciate your time. And, and thanks to all of you for listening in today. Uh, be sure to join us next month for another Skills Gap session for Mandiant's Defenders Advantage podcast series. 